Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. Today is Sunday. It's May 20, May 20th, 2018, and we are live tonight. We've got a very, very exciting show for you, uh, jam-packed show, a lot going on. A lot of people saw the royal wedding yesterday. Uh, some of you all saw my Facebook Live broadcast I did about it. It's been viewed 22,000 times last time I checked. Some of you have uh, seen, uh, you got the email blast we sent out uh, about an hour and a half ago. You got my YouTube video. Because I, I did a broadcast yesterday dealing with uh, hashtag royal, royal wedding. Black people watched the royal wedding but forgot about the, uh, but, but forgot about the British involvement in the transatlantic slave trade and the exploitation of African people. So that's what we're going to talk about some tonight, okay? So we'll talk about that topic. Also, at the top of the, uh, the second hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Dr. Ray Winbush. Dr. Ray Winbush um, is going to uh, be the keynote speaker at African Liberation Day uh, coming up uh, 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 Friday, May 25th, Saturday, May 26th at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, okay? Uh, so we're going to talk some about that in the top of the second hour, uh, African Liberation Day. And uh, that's a, a, a international celebration as well, which takes place May 25th. We'll deal with some of the history of African Liberation Day as well, okay? Then also, um, we have continued backlash from white people calling the police on African Americans for no reason. We're going to talk about that. And we've seen, we saw, everybody saw the viral video of the attorney in uh, New York, uh, Anthony uh, Schloss, uh, uh, Schlossberg, attorney in New York, uh, his bigoted rant dealing with uh, undocumented immigrants and just assuming that because people speak Spanish, uh, they are undocumented immigrants. That was a good segment from AM Joy uh, this morning dealing with this, uh, our racist incident on the rise in the Trump era. So we'll talk some about that as well. And then uh, this past Thursday, May 17th, May 17th was the uh, anniversary of the running of the, the of the first running of the Kentucky Derby. Okay, the first running of the Kentucky Derby. All right, and the first Kentucky Derby took place uh, May 17th, um, 1875. May 17th, 1875. Okay, and it was won by an African American man. Most people don't notice the first Kentucky Derby. Most people don't know that African Americans used to dominate horse racing, but we were pushed out of horse racing by racism and Jim Crow, etc. Okay, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk some about Oliver Lewis. Oliver Lewis was uh, the uh, first winner of the Kentucky Derby, May 17th, 1875. He was 19 years old, just happened to be an African American man. I did a, a Facebook Live broadcast, so follow us on Facebook. The African History Network, the African History Network uh, on Facebook, because uh, I did a broadcast uh, this past, uh, was it Thursday? This past Thursday, actually. I did a broadcast dealing with that in the history of African Americans and horse racing, how we dominated people like Jimmy Wink Winkfield and, and Isaac Murphy. You know, uh, we had, uh, let's see, Isaac Murphy won it uh, uh, three times, if I remember correctly. You had, uh, uh, brothers like Alonzo Lonnie Clayton, uh, who dominated horse racing, okay? Uh, and they, these were winners of the Kentucky Derby, so we'll talk, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And then also, um, yesterday was May 19th. So yesterday was the anniversary 
of the uh, birth, it was the birth date of uh, one Malcolm X, 93rd birthday of Malcolm X. I was over at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. The uh, guest speaker was A. Peter Bailey, A. Peter Bailey, who was a friend of Malcolm and uh, wrote for uh, Malcolm's uh, uh, newspaper. Uh, he was with the uh, Organization of Afro-American Unity. So we had a very, very good discussion, a comparative analysis between Dr. King and Malcolm X. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. All right, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and empowering people, empowering people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Okay? Um, and with, we focus on a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events, politics, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, love, sex, health issues, uh, etc. Plug into the headphone jack. Oh. Okay, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show, uh, all different topics, all right? So uh, sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, to sign up for our email newsletter as well, all right? Okay, those watching on Facebook, share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Uh, invite your friends to tune in as well. Okay, so yesterday I did not watch... The Royal Wedding, so-called Royal Wedding Live. I did not watch it live. They showed about five hours of it on uh, MSNBC, okay? And uh, I was in the bed. I wasn't getting up even to set the DVR to watch that nonsense, all right? So uh, we're going to do a little bit uh, with the history. There was some history here, okay? Because I saw African-Americans uh, commenting about it on social media. Some people were posting on um uh, the uh, uh, my broadcast and things like this and said, why are you talking about history? Uh, well, it's called the African History Network, right? And you're asking me why am I dealing with history? And some people say, leave them alone, they're in love. My response is, what the hell does love have to do with this? If you actually understand history, okay? So News1.com uh, had an article. Uh, here's why News1 won't be covering one iota of the royal wedding. Here's why News One won't be covering one iota of the royal wedding. Much love to Meghan Markle, but we won't celebrate these colonizers. Much love to Meghan Markle, but we won't celebrate these colonizers. Okay? So when we analyze this and do a systems analysis, as opposed to suffering from a paralysis of analysis, and getting emotional and teary-eyed from a biracial woman who don't, doesn't even identify with being black, marrying into the family of a monarchy that are descendants of those who colonized Africa, colonized the Caribbean, colonized India, okay, raped, uh, raped nations of African descent and people of color of their wealth, their human resources, their natural resources to build the wealth and the opulence that you saw displayed yesterday and somehow we're supposed to think this is a good thing. You, you obviously don't understand history if you think that's somehow something positive. That's ridiculous. They're in love. What's love got to do with it? We're, we're, dealing, with, uh, we're dealing with a monarchy we're dealing with a family that won't even apologize for the atrocities of slavery. We're dealing with, in 2015, then Prime Minister David Cameron went to Jamaica. Jamaica used to be a colony of, of Britain. They, the, 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 the Jamaicans were demanding that he, even, he would apologize for slavery. 
he wouldn't even apologize for it, let alone talk about reparations. This is what this is the history you're dealing with. So just because you got a black preacher quoting Dr. King, talking about love and mention slavery, that don't mean a damn thing unless you don't understand history. Just because you got a, a, a black choir singing, I mean, do you, do, you, do you understand that Britain enslaved African people from 1562 to 1833? Do you understand they were enslaving Africans and setting up and setting up colonies, not just in the U.S., but in Jamaica. You, you understand the colonial system? And they conquered Nigeria. They conquered Kenya. They conquered Ghana. So we have to understand history, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So this is not an attack on Meghan Markle, although there's some legitimate criticism, no disrespect to her, but when you do a systems analysis, as opposed to suffering from a paralysis of analysis, there's legitimate criticism because who you marry is a commitment to your people. Who you marry is a political statement. So when you're biracial that doesn't even identify with being black and you marry into a family of colonizers, that says something. That's why I said, what's love got to do with this? Right? So let's look at this here. Right? So Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, uh, uh, they got married Saturday at Windsor Castle in England. England named after the Anglos. Anglos and the Saxons are two group of Germanic people, right, that go into England, what we call England. They conquer uh, Ireland, okay, and then they come to Jamestown, Virginia, 1607. That's the, the England is named after the Anglos. Okay? But while we are definitely here for Meghan Markle, she is someone we have never seen. Uh, uh, she is someone we have never seen marrying into the royal family. American divorced and identifies as biracial. So she's, she's an African-American actress. She was on Nickelodeon when she was a child. She identifies as biracial, not black. So some people say, I saw some people saying, oh, this is a this is a black wedding, and she's unapologetically black. How are you gonna marry into a family of colonizers being unapologetically black? That's a contradiction. That doesn't even make sense. If if a Jewish person married a Nazi, you would say that person is crazy. If a Jewish person married a Nazi, you would say that person is crazy. Okay? Alright, so. American, she's, she's, she's American, divorced, identifies as biracial. This is not an attack on her. This is a systems analysis un, based upon an understanding of African history and culture. That isn't enough for us to give a damn about anything that has to do with this deeply problematic family with a serious history of racism. This is quoting news1.com. They are absolutely correct. Expect this to be our last coverage of this weekend of these two saying, quote unquote, I do. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. We're already up against a break, okay? But when we come back, we're going to continue with this discussion. Hashtag Royal Wedding. Black people watch the Royal Wedding but forgot about the uh, Britain's involvement in the slave trade and the exploitation of African people. The African History Network show, Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right. In two minutes. Turn the music down here, please. I'm broadcasting on Facebook. All right, guys, stand by. We'll be back in a few minutes. Everybody, share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Because that's just the introduction. I haven't even got I haven't even gotten into the history yet. 
we're back in two minutes. It's a two-minute break. Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. Call in number is, uh, turn that down. Yeah. Okay, what did you say? I gotta listen. Okay. Um, seven, three, seven, seven, eight, seven. No, I know them. I got the number. Okay. Okay, um, call in number 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment, all right? Uh, share this broadcast on your Facebook page. What I'm talking about, you probably haven't heard anywhere else this this week, or especially yesterday. Okay, the stuff I'm going to deal with, you probably haven't heard. Now, um, I did a two-hour presentation last night. That's uh, here on Facebook, uh, the African History Network on Facebook. So check that out. Okay, I did a two-hour presentation. All right, so we got that pinned. Okay. All right, stand by. Okay, so we're going to deal with this topic. Then also, a lot of people don't know that Great Britain, when they ended slavery in 1833, right, they paid reparations to the slave owners in Great Britain. What are you talking about? But did not give compensation to those Africans they enslaved. So this is not an attack on Meghan Markle, but... You got to ask the question, what's love got to do with this? We're dealing with history. We're dealing with African history, African culture. So when, when you understand this, it causes you to ask these questions. Okay, how soon will we come back from the break? Um, five seconds. Okay. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. We are talking about tonight, uh, in our first segment here, we're dealing with uh, hashtag royal wedding, hashtag royal wedding. Black people watched the royal wedding, but forgot about British involvement in, this, uh, in the transatlantic slave trade and the exploitation of African people. So the opulence and the wealth that you saw displayed there, where do you think that came from? That the yesterday, No, the yesterday wasn't a celebration. I'm all for marriage. But what's love got to do with it? We're talking about white supremacy and racism. We're talking about colonialism. We're talking about cultural imperialism. This is what you saw displayed yesterday. So, so we have to have a history lesson. Okay? So, News1.com has an article. Here's why... News One won't be covering one iota of the royal wedding. Much love to Meghan Markle, but we won't celebrate these colonizers. And that's exactly what they are. They're descendants of colonizers who have not atoned for, the, uh, for, for, the, for colonization, who have not even apologized for slavery. Now, first, the, the article goes on to say, this was written by News One staff, May 18th, 2018. So this was written Friday, May 18th, 2018. First, they have blood on their hands, which is true. First, they have blood on their hands. Yes, all of Europe is packed with bloody colonizers. And conquering from sea to shining sea is not unique to the quote-unquote royals. But the wealth of the royal family was built off the African slave trade. As the Guardian.com, which is a UK publication, as the Guardian.com reported back in 2004, quote, between 10 million to 28 million Africans were forcibly sent to the Americas and sold into slavery between 1450 and the early 19th century. 
Okay? Now, that's a lowball number. That's a lowball number. By then, Britain was the dominant trader, transporting more than 300,000 slaves a year, more than 300,000 slaves a year in shackles on overcrowded and disease-ridden boats. Now, in 2007, after this demanded that Prime Minister, then Prime Minister Tony Blair and Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth II, pronounce an official apology for the slave trade. They refused to do this, even though slavery built Britain's economy. So the same Queen Elizabeth you saw there yesterday refused to apologize for the transatlantic slave trade, for, for Britain's involvement in the transatlantic slave trade. Now, 2007 was an important year because that was the 200-year anniversary of Britain abolishing the transatlantic, international transatlantic slave trade, the importation of enslaved Africans. They abolished that in 1807. But, but they allowed slavery to continue in Britain, the, the trading of slaves inside of Britain. They allowed that to continue to 1833. Okay? So, however, outside of history, let's not forget that what people in the current royal family have done, like uh, Meghan Markle's soon-to-be husband, Prince Harry, in 2005, he attended a costume party dressed as a Nazi. Yes, he did. Read this article. They showed a picture. I guess he thought it was funny. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he thought it was funny. Although he, he, although he was only 20 years old at the time, he was grown enough to know the outfit was despicable. He was old enough to know better. Now, although Prince Harry apologized and has done great work since then, according to News1.com, he will always get the side eye for this vile costume. But it's not just a one-time incident for Prince Harry. There is also Meghan Markle's soon-to-be relative, Princess Michael of Kent. So in December 2017, she was reportedly going to meet Meghan Markle for the first time and wore a Blackamoor-style brooch on her coat. And Blackamoor art or Blackamoor jewelry depicts African people as exoticized figures and is considerably considered racially offensive. So it's, um, it's depicting the Africans known as the Moors, who were conquered by Europeans. Conquered in Europe by Europeans. They go all throughout Europe, going to 711 AD in Spain, and the, the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, and Portugal. Okay? So usually, black and more jewelry, black and more art, depicts them as even being servants or servile or royalty. Okay? But it's looked at as being tantamount to blackface. So NYU described Blackamoor art as, quote, gaudy by nature and uncomfortably dated, a bit like the American lawn jockey or, ancient mom, or the ancient mama doll. Blackamoor is basically the blackface of European art. The princess offered a lame apology, Princess Michael of Kent. Quote, the brooch was a gift and had been worn many times before. Princess Michael is very sorry that uh, and distress that it has caused offense okay so check out this article from uh, news1.com there's more I don't have time to get into it here's why news1 which is African American owned Kathy Hughes here's why news1 won't be covering one iota of the royal wedding May 18 2018 check out that article okay so then you have this uh, uh, big article from um, theguardian.com I want to go to this clip here okay theguardian.com so this is from these are all these are from my archives, okay? 
because I have about 20,000 articles in my, in my archives. This is from September 30th, 2015. Jamaica should move on from painful legacy of slavery, says David Cameron, who was the prime minister, the British prime minister at this time. Okay? So Jamaica was a colony of uh, Britain. All right? And he was visiting uh, Britain. They were calling the Jamaicans, he was, he was visiting, visiting Jamaica. The Jamaicans were calling for an apology to slavery, and they were calling for reparations to be paid. Okay? So I want you to hear what this colonizer said. Because this is what you're dealing with. We need to tell the truth. This is what you're dealing with. See, if you get caught up in the opulence, and you get caught up in the wedding, and don't understand the history, you'll fall for this nonsense. Okay? You can't run that on me. All right? Because I understand history. So I know what I'm looking at. You can't run that on me. I don't, like I said, what's love got to do with this? All right? So uh, this is an article from TheGuardian.com. Uh, this is an article from TheGuardian.com. Uh, Jamaica should move on from painful legacy of slavery, says Cameron. British, British Prime Minister ducks official calls for UK to apologize for its role in the slave trade or pay reparations, all right? So here's some background information on uh, Britain and the slave trade. Let's go to this clip. Okay, let me turn up in here. Turn up in here so you can hear Facebook. Yeah, turn up in here so you can hear on Facebook, please. And I'm broadcasting. They made four trillion pounds from the unpaid labor alone. Portugal and Holland pioneered this slave route. Britain made a national fortune from it. Much of the Britain we know today was built with slave money. Ports, cities and canals. Even the Church of England has admitted making money from the slave business. By the 19th century, a fifth of the British League had made their fortunes from slavery. Among them, David Cameron's distant cousin, General Sir James Duck. The Liverpool merchants who founded what's now Barclays Bank were slave traders. In 1833, when slavery was abolished, slave owners were paid £20 million in compensation for their loss of property. That's £2 billion today. More than 10 million people died as a direct result of the Atlantic slave trade. The survivors got nothing. West Africa, nothing. Now, 15 Caribbean states, including Jamaica, have launched the first united campaign for reparations from Britain, France, and Holland. They have suggested compensation equal to the sum offered to slave owners in the 1830s, two billion pounds. They also want an apology, recognition of the historic atrocity. They hid in caves. My great-grandmother was born in a cave to make sure that she was not born as a slave. And that is what Britain perpetuated. But the British government has refused to give either. David Cameron's first official visit to Jamaica has amplified calls on Britain to agree to reparations. Some argue that if Britain did pay, it wouldn't be the elite footing the bill but the tax-paying working classes. Others have said, this was 200 years ago, it's in the past. Why should I pay now? In Jamaica, Slavery was followed with a century of colonialism. Most of the land is still in the hands of Europeans. When the Brits left in 1962, 
80% of the population were functionally illiterate. Male literacy remains four points below the global average. 19% of the country live in poverty. When historic crimes have generational victims, who should pay? All right, so that's from TheGuardian.com. Now, this is a U.K. publication. These are white people telling you this history, telling you what Britain did to Jamaica, okay? And Prime Minister, at, at the time, back in 2015, Prime Minister David Cameron, right, would not even apologize for what Britain did to uh, Jamaica, okay? So, and then we also see that one of his ancestors... One of uh, uh, David Cameron's ancestors was a slave owner. All right, so when you when you really study this, this is deep, and the the wealth that you see displayed there in Britain is largely built based upon the slave trade and the products produced from slavery. Okay, now uh, they talked about the high illiteracy rate in Jamaica. They talked about the high poverty rate in Jamaica. I remember somebody a couple of months ago talking about people coming from S-hole countries. And they talked about African countries and Haiti. They talked about El Salvador, right? They were talking about Caribbean countries, okay? Well, the reason why you have high poverty rates and the reason why a lot of these Caribbean nations are in disarray is because of colonizers like Britain in the history of colonization. So you blame the victim, but you don't deal with the colonizers. And this is what this is what you're dealing with. Okay? So when we look at this article from um, TheGuardian.com, Jamaica should move on from painful legacy of slavery, says David Cameron, who was the prime minister at the time. All right? It talks about uh, in here... Okay, speaking to the Caribbean country's parliament, the prime minister struck a defiant note as he spoke of his pride that Britain had played a part in abolishing the abhorrent trade, the abhorrent slave trade inside Britain, without highlighting uh, Britain's historic involvement in the transfer of slaves from West Africa and ownership of slaves in the Caribbean. He called for the two countries to, quote-unquote, move on from this painful legacy and continue to build for the future. End quote. How is Jamaica going to move on when Jamaica is crippled? Because of the because of the theft of human capital, because of the natural resources, because of the because of, of the um, the colonies that were set up, the slave plantation, telling you, oh, forget about that. Let's just let's just move on and work towards the future. So his trade his trip to, to Jamaica, the first for 14 years by a UK prime minister, has been overshadowed by the issue of slavery. Prime Minister David Cameron, at, 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 who was prime minister at the time back in 2015 when he made this trip, was warmly received by a military band playing God Save the Queen on arrival at the airport. And we ask not for we ask not for handouts or any such acts of indecent submission, we merely ask that you acknowledge responsibility for your share of this situation and move to contribute in a joint program of rehabilitation and renewal. The continuing suffering of our people, sir, 
is as much your nation's duty to alleviate as it is ours to resolve in steadfast acts of self-responsibility. Okay? Now, so uh, you have 14 Caribbean nations, 14 Caribbean nations who in 2014 sued uh, Great Britain and the Netherlands and uh, one other European nation. They sued them for reparations, Britain, France, and the Netherlands. In July of July 2015, July 2015, 14 Caribbean nations filed lawsuits against Britain, France, and the Netherlands for slavery reparations in the International Court of Justice in The Hague. The suits target the nations for respectively uh, for respectively slavery in the English-speaking Caribbean, Haiti, and Suriname, as reported in Al Jazeera America. All right. Now, you have if we look at some of the if we look at some of the history of Britain involved in slavery, okay? If we look at the Gale Encyclopedia, G-A-L-E, Gale Encyclopedia of U.S. History, we look at the information they have on the Middle Passage. You can also probably go to encyclopedia.com, encyclopedia.com, and um, search for Middle Passage. It'll probably come with the entry for Gale Encyclopedia because encyclopedia.com does what answers.com used to do, and they reference a number of different encyclopedias, right? So when we look at um, the British involvement in the transatlantic slave trade, in 1562, Sir John Hawkins became the first Englishman to carry a cargo of African slaves to the New World. His voyage netted such, such gains that Queen Elizabeth I, who had publicly denounced slave trading voyages, secretly invested heavily in Sir John Hawkins' subsequent slave trading expeditions. Sir Francis Drake, Sir John Hawkins' cousin, commanded one of these ships. Now, in the late 1560s, Sir John Hawkins sailed his ships into the port of Veracruz on the Mexican coast where he, countered, where he encountered a large and heavily armed Spanish fleet which attacked and defeated the English vessels as part of their attempt to retain the monopoly over the northern transatlantic slave trade because you have these European nations, Portugal and Spain and England and France, they're fighting and killing each other over these new lands that they've conquered and uncovered. Okay, so British interest in the slave trade did not resume for another century until after the English Civil War, when in 1672 AD, King Charles II chartered the Royal African Company, the Royal African Company, which quickly established England as the world's greatest slave trader. By the 1700s, due to increasing demand for African slaves, slave traders began to ship their cargo of Africans directly from Africa to North America as opposed to being engaged in the triangular trade. They had to get them there to the final destination much faster. Now, the Royal African Company, Europeans organized themselves into slave trading companies financed by people who were royalty, financed by wealthy people with money and power. Okay, it's like the Royal African Company, the Dutch West India Company, the Dutch East India, the Dutch East India Company, the Brandenburg Company. They're organizing themselves into these slave trading companies to finance these to finance these voyages. All right. So uh, check that out. Gale Encyclopedia, uh, G-A-L-E, Gale Encyclopedia of US, U.S. History. Okay. So when Britain uh, abolishes slavery, 
uh, it's in 18, well, it's in 1807 that they abolished the import, the, tra the international transatlantic slave trade, which is bringing Africans into Britain. But the, tr the, but the own ownership of slaves and the selling of slaves inside of Britain and their colonies are allowed to go on to 1833. When they abolished slavery in 1833, they provided reparations not for the not for the slaves they in, not for the Africans they enslaved, but they provided reparations to forty six thousand slave owners. Okay, they provided seventeen billion pounds in compensation to slave owners in today's terms. The compensation of Britain's forty six thousand slave owners was the largest bailout in the country's history until the two thousand nine bank bailout, as noted by the Guardian .com, and slave ownership was far more common than has been presumed. More, more, moreover, the 800,000 emancipated Africans who received nothing picked up part of the tab as they were forced to look, pay attention to this. So after they free 800,000 enslaved Africans who they robbed of their nationality, robbed of their labor, put them in slavery, they then, quote unquote, freed them but then forced them to work for another four years for 45 hours a week of free labor. This is what they did. They, this is, and you wonder, you wonder why it looks so nice there in, in, in England yesterday? This is, where that, this is where that exploitation comes from to create that wealth, that opulence that you saw yesterday on display. The 800,000 emancipated Africans who received nothing picked up part of the tab as they were forced to work 45 hours for free labor each week for four years after they were supposedly free. The large slave owners of the West India interests owned enormous estates and made massive fortunes over black slave labor. The slave owner who was compensated the most was John Gladstone. John, This was his name, John Gladstone, G-L-A-D, S-T-O-N-E. I bet you he was glad. He was the father of Victorian Prime Minister William uh, Ewart Gladstone. And John Gladstone owned uh, 2,508 enslaved Africans on nine plantations. This one European, he owned 2,508 enslaved Africans on nine plantations. He was paid one hundred and six thousand seven hundred and sixty nine pounds or um, 80 million pounds in modern terms, as reported by The Guardian. Charles Blair, who was the great grandfather of George Orwell. OK, we know the writer George Orwell. He was paid four thousand four hundred and forty two pounds, the modern equivalent of three million pounds for the two hundred and eighteen African men and women he owned as chattel. Further, the records show that ancestors of Prime Minister David Cameron, novelist Graham Greene, the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and the architect Sir George Gilbert Scott all received compensation for their slaves, along with so many thousands of other slave owners, large and small. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race that comes out of the ideology of white supremacy. Racism occurs when one race of people control the majority of the wealth, power, resources, privileges, benefits, land, education, access to opportunity, access, uh, 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 marketing, 
They control the media, etc., and they use that to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people. This is what you're saying. So when you have a white supremacist like Donald Trump, right, who takes advantage of immigration laws, because when you go to his resorts and his golf courses, he has a lot of immigrants working there. And he's in, in, in two of his three wives are immigrants. He has five children by immigrants. But when he calls African nations and Caribbean nations and El Salvador S-hole countries, he doesn't talk about how they got into that predicament and how you have colonizers like in Britain who profited off of that and built up their nations because they were coming out of the dark ages. It was the African Moors that saved them. That saved France and England and Spain and Portugal. And that 800 year occupation of, of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. So David A. Love has an article from thegrio.com, G-R-I-O, thegrio.com. And once again, the call-in numbers are 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. We're going to be joined by Dr. Ray Winbush coming up at the top of the next hour. 313-778-7600. So David A. Love has a good article for uh, thegrio.com entitled, Adding Color to the royal family doesn't wipe out their debts to black people. So yesterday, and if and if you called, I mean, if you posted on social media yesterday and you were mesmerized by what you saw, give us a call. I want to hear from you. I'm not going to attack you. I just want to hear from you. 313-778-7600. Now, I'm all for marriage. I'm all for marriage. But what's love got to do with this? I'm all for marriage. And African-American men should marry African-American women. I'm all for that. But when you have a site like yesterday and African-American children see this biracial woman marrying a white man and she's not a princess, she's a duchess. She's a duchess. She's not a princess, she's a duchess. But you see her elevated and say, oh, her dreams come true and she has this magnificent wedding. What does that teach African-American children? What does that teach African-American girls? Does that teach them you can marry a white man and your dreams come true? Look at what was displayed yesterday. Then connect this. See, see, my background's in media. I've been studying media for 26 years. I understand the programming because I was trained in the programming. I know the programming when I see it. I see commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial of African-American women with white men. I'm looking at commercials. I've studied advertising. My degrees in marketing. I had to take consumer behavior. My consumer behavior class was taught by a psychologist. I had to take advertising, promotional strategies. I know the program and when I see it, I know what I'm looking at. I see commercial after commercial after commercial on the television of African American women with white men looking happy. They, they, now notice they don't show they don't show African American women looking poor like they're on welfare. They show them looking happy, living well. They're married to a white man because this is the perception. They, so they they show them there together. Sometimes they show the children. What 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 message is that sending to African American girls? Just sit back and, and do a systems analysis. Now Malcolm. Who his ninety third birthday was yesterday? Malcolm taught us that the media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the ability to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent, and that's power because they control the minds of the masses. Okay, 
And what you and what you read, see, and hear affects the way you think, feel, act, and behave. What you re your thoughts create feelings. Your feelings create actions and behaviors. Your actions and behaviors create results. On TBS, you got a TV show called The Last OG starring Tracy Morgan. Now, here's an African-American man who went to prison for 15 years selling drugs. He comes out of prison. His girlfriend is married to a white man, and he finds out he has two kids by her. He didn't know him, but she's living well. She's living the American dream. This is not, if you decide to marry somebody white, this ain't an attack on you. I'm talking about a system of white supremacy and racism that uses the media to program how you think, feel, act, and behave. I know the programming when I see it. This is what you're looking at. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Grace. we got a couple minutes before the break. Hey, Grace, thanks for holding. Um, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us uh, which city you're calling from. I'm in Detroit. Yeah, you are go ahead. You said I'm where now? You are in the U.S., right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, well, I live in Detroit, but we're at the stations in Southfield, Michigan. Topic. I only chimed in maybe listen to you for like 25, 30 minutes. Like two minutes, and I turned it on. Sure. Um, and that's what you before. You put in such such great emphasis on the UK. Uh, if you took that passion and that drama, that theatrical way of you putting things out there, mm -hmm. and you concentrate on what's going on in the US, mm -hmm. you see the truth. I'm telling you. What What makes you think I don't do that? Let me, let me ask you a question. I've been doing radio eight years. I have about 850 podcasted episodes of my shows going back eight years at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. The topic we're dealing with, in case you didn't hear the topic, we're talking about hashtag royal wedding. Black people watched the royal wedding but forgot about British involvement in slavery and the exploitation of African people. No, 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 no. It's people old enough to know better. See, I did a Facebook Live broadcast yesterday that's been viewed over 22,000 times, and I saw some of the comments. These are people old enough to know better who, who, who don't understand history also. And it's not just young people. I've been doing this for a long time. No, no, no. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of older people. The younger people are a reflection of the older people who don't understand history. Go ahead. We, we got about thirty seconds before the break. It, it, it's not criticizing you. It's just your 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 passion for it. Let's try to fix something on the U.S. Oh, that's that's what I do. Yeah, I write articles. I'm in seven documentaries. I've taught entrepreneurship for seven years. I lived here in Detroit for forty six years. Uh, go to my website, read my bio, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We're coming up on the break, Grace. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Thanks for holding, okay? Coming up on the break. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Ray Winbush, talk about African Liberation Day, talk about uh, African Liberation Day taking place in Detroit, uh, May 25th, May 26th, at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, where I was yesterday. Really? You know, Google my name. I do a lot in Detroit. 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, African History Network show, Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, guys. Hey, um, 
person. Now okay. that person against large insurance companies. That person is calling in. Yeah. Is he gonna call in on the, the seven seven eight or the guest? Okay. Yeah, he gonna call the two four eight number. The right, guest I'm line. gonna open that up. Yeah. True. All right, stand by, guys. Uh, we'll be back in uh, just a minute here. Hey, those. Hey, do me a favor. Can you turn that down some here? Okay, guys. Hey, be sure to sign up for the online courses that I teach. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Hey, Dr. Ray Wimbush, this is Michael M. Hotep. How you doing? All right, brother. All right. Hey, I sent you the information for the call, the call-in number for the uh, radio show. I sent that to you last night. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can go ahead and you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and call in a couple minutes because right after ten o'clock, I'll bring you on. I think we got like we probably got like one caller to take, and then we'll come to you. Okay. So you can call in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, which time zone are you in? Because it's uh, it's like three minutes to ten. It's yeah, we're Eastern time zone. Yeah, it's four minutes to ten right now. Okay, that's cool. Okay, that's cool. All right, brother. All right, peace. Okay, hey, we just posted information for uh, he's gonna call in in about four, uh, three or four minutes. Uh, we just posted the information for the online courses that I teach: Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understand the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is a 14-hour, seven-session online course that I teach. It's all on demand. We deal with thousands of years of history. And uh, also, we deal with uh, the 10 courses in the bundle pack. It's on, it's on sale right now, $60, regularly $130, okay? So let's go to some of your comments here. We got uh, uh, Chobani, said Queen of Sheba. Chobani said, it's not the father, it's the mother where all begins. Uh, okay, but the but the but the mother also chooses which man to procreate with as well. Okay, the father is involved somewhere. Crystal Scott said, "Turn it up." The, uh, couldn't hear the caller. Okay, we missed that. Jermaine uh, said, "I'm proud to be black, and I see only black. There are other races, but I'm all about blackness. Black babies, black women. Uh, we ought to see humanity, not race." Said Chobani. Okay. Yeah. Well, race. Well, the concept of race was created over a three hundred year period of time, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth century. What's was was more important is racism. Okay. What's more important is racism, and racism is a system of advantage and privilege based upon race. So we need to understand this. Acting like this doesn't exist is not going to make it go away. All right, everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Well, we got two minutes before the break and before we come back. Two minutes? No, I can give you time, though. No, I don't need time. We need to come back as soon as we can. All right, we're coming back in five seconds. All right, Marquis said over 80% of black men date and marry. Yeah, that's correct. It's 88%, yes. Okay. All right, welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network show. Uh, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer, longtime resident here in Detroit. Google my name. I am H-O-T-E-P. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Hey, be sure to uh, sign up for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, 
Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what it didn't teach you in school, because we tie all this together there. This is a 14-hour, seven-session online course. It's all on demand. Watch it at your own pace. We have a bundle pack. We have 10 courses in the bundle. It's on sale right now, $60, regularly $130. That includes Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. It also includes um, Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. Uh, also includes an online uh, class I did dealing with the film Black Panther, Black Panther analysis, African, uh, uh, Black Panther analysis, African culture, history, and Afrofuturism, and a lot more. Uh, so uh, visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com is right on the homepage. And um, we, have the, we have the link here. We just posted on a thread of our broadcast for those watching on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Shout out to those watching on 910 AM Superstation's um, uh, Facebook Live broadcast as well. Let's go to the phone lines quickly here. Let's go to Brian. Uh, Brian, line two. Hey, Brian, thanks for holding. Welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Uh, Nova, man, and I appreciate your show, and I definitely agree with your sentiments. Let me Paying attention to some black people seeing how they were going to these parties and preparing for this crap. Just so that they can hear it on your on your live. Yeah, let's turn it up. Yeah, and, and, and the sad part about I don't even know what these black people that was all excited about this. What did they benefit from this? And when you it was entertainment. Showing, man, hold on. This, it is just sickening to me, and then to listen to you tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And for that last caller, that's all you do, and they really need to look you up. I, I yeah, listen to you all the time. Thanks, brother. Uh, I very seldom call in, Mike. I'm that one that said when I get into an argument with with my Caucasians out here, no, I'm gonna call you this. <laughs> okay. So, hey, that's been a while ago, man. But other than that, it's just sad. Even in Nova, I watch the black people with the white people out here, man. And mm -hmm. they really will go past you like you're nobody. Why are you out here? And I look at these brothers like, you're still black. Your brown pants and your, your dockers and your blue shirts. I still know who you are. And I still know you like greens and chicken. So I appreciate your show, brother. But that went to me and all the hype and the... And, and, and they forgot about the victims or the school shootings, like one of the other hosts said. Well, no, that continued. I, I, you know, I watch MSNBC, man, six to ten hours a day. So that continued after the coverage. Uh, even yesterday on AM Joy, Joanne Reed, she talked about it after her first segment because Joy was broadcasting. She was in, uh, she, I think she was in London uh, or England. I think oh, okay. she was in, or she was maybe in the studio. But she covered the wedding. But then they talked about that also. Yeah. So, so that's still, and they talked about that today as well. The, uh, the uh, school shooting in uh, Santa Fe. Hey, Mike, you know the yeah. thing I got out of the wedding, man? Mm -hmm. Seriously, and I didn't watch it. I was browsing and seeing it. They had three uh, beautiful uh, Maybox that pulled up, letting the queen and all them up. And oh, the Maybox? Yeah. Cars? cars. Right, give me, yeah, give me one of the cars. Other than that, that's the only thing I like about yeah. five-minute stuff like that. And that's what made me actually stop was, man, three right. same colors. So I appreciate your show, brother. Okay. And visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com also, Brian. Check out, uh, read my articles, listen to the podcast, and uh, also you can register for our online courses that I teach as well. The online courses, they're all on demand. Hey, uh, you can also um, um, 
you can also donate to the African History Network if you want to. Uh, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Or visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, right on the home page, click on the yellow donate button, okay? That helps support us, helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air. Uh, follow our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. We provide, we do a lot of articles, post a lot of articles each day, video clips, I broadcast there, Dr. Boyce Watkins broadcast there as well. Let's get another call in here. Let's go to Chad, line three. Um, hey, Chad, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us what city you're calling from. Uh, yeah, I'm in and I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, again, I also, you know, uh, enjoy your show. I'm a regular listener. I think it's the fourth For that, what you said when they do the drills in the schools, you said you said when they do the drills in the schools, they have an African American person as the shooter. Sometimes the targets, sometimes some of the targets are African-American. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Because that consciously, that has an effect on you. What you said earlier about the same thing about they're trying to promote this, you know, black men, I mean, black woman, white men, agenda, but now that's been going on for slavery. I women have always back during slavery now, you know, they didn't have any choice, you know, to be raped and exploited and stuff, which is why a lot of us look different today as African-Americans, but then later on, when they turn left, it's like our women have been brainwashed and continue to be brainwashed to cater to their slave, like slave masters. You know what I mean? It's very, right. Well, well, well. Well, what we have to understand also, and I got to bring Dr. Ray Wimbush on in just a second. What we have to understand is that African-American women are the ones least likely to marry outside of their race, number one. African-American women are least likely. But what happens is, is if you understand the system of racism, white supremacy, and as Dr. Francis Crest Wilson correctly taught us, 
If you do not understand racism and white supremacy, what it is and how it works, everything that you think that you understand will totally confuse you. And we have to understand it as it manifests itself throughout the nine areas of human activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war for the purpose of preserving genetic white survival on a planet that's less than 10% European. So if you understand how the media is used as a weapon to program how you think, feel, act, and behave and ultimately elicit your uh, ultimate results, Okay, then you see, then you see this pattern taking place. So as I said last night in my Facebook live broadcast, and people can check that out at Facebook at, at the African History Network on Facebook or on YouTube at Michael M Hotep I M H O T E P. I said we're all going through a twelve step recovery process, recovering from the side effects of white supremacy and racism. Okay, we're all going through a twelve step recovery process. Some of us has been like like uh, on the Cosby Show. You and the Chantilly. She was uh, uh, eighteen years old, still in the ninth grade. You know, that, that, that Cliff Hosable used to date. Some of us been on step two for 10 years. Some of us on step 11. Some of us on step 10. We're all in a recovery process, okay? So we have to understand that. Okay, man. I got to bring, uh, I got to bring Dr. Ray Winbush. Uh, 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 call, call back in, Chad, uh, when I finish with this interview with Dr. Ray Winbush. Okay, um, coming up at the uh, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, uh, Friday, May 25th, Saturday, May 26th, uh, 2018, is African Liberation Day. African Liberation Day. This year's theme is honoring our warriors and our trailblazers. The keynote speaker is going to be Dr. Uh, Ray Winbush, who's a uh, research professor and director of the Institute for Urban Research at Morgan State University. We want to welcome this brother uh, to the African History Network show right now. Hotep, brother, how you doing today? Hey, Hotep, brother Michael. What's going on? Oh, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Good to talk to you, man. I follow you on Twitter also. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Good to be talked to. Absolutely. Well, look, man, it's that time of the year again. African Liberation Day is coming up. We know yesterday was the 93rd birthday of, uh, of Malcolm X. And uh, let, let people know, what is your participation going to be this year in African Liberation Day? Is why, and why is African Liberation Day so important? Well, it's Absolutely. Well, I always say, man, you know, I've studied, well, well, number one, I've studied the history of basically all the holidays, the major holidays, these European yeah. holidays. Yeah. And I always say, uh, if you wear green on St. Patrick's Day, will you wear red, black, and green on African Liberation Day? If not, why not? Right. If you wear green on St. Patrick's Day, will you wear red, black, and green on African Liberation Day? And if you understand the history of St. Patrick's Day, and you understand that Patrick was a British slave sent into Ireland in 432 A.D. by Pope Celestine I to uh, convert the Irish population to Christianity. And he was fighting against the uh, Druids who were 
practicing a watered down version of teachings coming out of ancient Kemet, if you if you actually understand it, you understand that St. Patrick's Day is nothing to celebrate in the first place, even if you have Irish ancestry, there ain't nothing to celebrate. Exactly. It's murder. But we but we love celebration. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with us having our hot sauce on Fourth of July, but if that's all you're about to well, I'm going to, you know, look at the fireworks, talk about it. We got need to go in, in depth about what some of these holidays mean and what how often we're simply honoring those of murderers, especially murderers of our past. I looked at that part of that spectacle on Saturday. Mm -hmm. and the royal wedding yesterday, because I just talked about that, the royal wedding. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Absolutely. Well, you know, about 100 years ago, uh, one-fifth of the world's population was under British rule. See, pr right. pe people, people don't understand the oppression, and it's not just, not just the slave trade, it's conquering India, it's uh, the colonization of African nations like Kenya, uh, Nigeria, Ghana, things like this, and then the Caribbean nations as well, okay? So... Uh, May 25th is African Liberation Day, and on this day, many African countries celebrate the hard-fought achievement of their freedom from European colonial powers, speaking of European colonial powers, right? And, and, and around the world, people celebrate African Liberation Day, and they honor their ancestors for the struggle fought to throw off the shackles of European colonialism, all right? Now, what are you going to talk? Now, you're presenting on, I know you're doing a workshop on Saturday, right? Right. Okay. Reparations. Oh. Okay, so so go ahead and talk for a few minutes because we got a few minutes before the break. Go ahead and talk and, and, and tell us what, uh, what are you going to talk about and why is reparations so important? Well, reparations, you know, all what you just discussed about the country, and if you add to that uh, British colonization, uh, this white Dutch historian says by 1904, Europeans had controlled 84% of the world's surface. Mm -hmm. I mean, they controlled everything, the French, the German, everybody. Right. And so reparations, the idea of reparations when a crime against humanity has been committed, and that nation acknowledges it by uh, paying reparations for the victims of those crimes. And for, you know, so in this country, we see how reparations came forth relative to many uh, indigenous people's groups. Mm -hmm. We see in uh, 1988 that real radical president, Ronald Reagan, gave reparations to the Japanese for their incarceration during World War II. So we have, everybody has received reparations except African people. And so I'm going to be going into depth about what is reparations? Because many of us misunderstand it. Right. Uh, what we can do to support the movement and so forth. Okay. Now, are you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. And Friday night, I'm going to be talking a lot about pragmatic things that African people can do to, you know, to put Africa in them, which is already there. We just got to awaken up. So I'm going to talk about some very practical things 
that can be done uh, to be an African in this planet. Okay. Now, um, Friday night, uh, the event is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Friday night. Uh, Saturday, uh, I think it's uh, probably uh, Saturday, I think is uh, 12 noon. Yes. Um, we'll have it on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Saturday, I think, I know they usually have the parade around 11 a.m., something like that. It's going on to probably about 6. Um, you do your workshop at 2.30 p.m. on okay. Saturday. I do my workshop on 3.30 p.m. on Saturday after yours. I'm not going to stop okay. mine till you're done. I'm not, I'm not, because ain't no, nobody going to be in my workshop until you're done, okay? <laughs> but, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll have flyers there also. So my workshop is dealing with the film Black Panther. And it's called Lesson, it's called Lessons from the Film Black Panther, Economic Guerrilla Warfare, Political Self-Defense, and How to Wakanda the Vote. Okay, so that's what, that's what my, that's what my, that's what my workshop is uh, on, uh, uh, on Saturday after yours, okay? This is taking place at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, 315 East Warren Avenue, uh, free event uh, both days. Come on out, bring the family. There'll be edutainment. Uh, there'll, be, uh, there'll be speakers. Uh, you're going to learn a lot also. It's not a crime to be African. If you wear green on St. Patrick's Day, will you wear red, black, and green on African Liberation Day? Now, when you talk about reparations, uh, a couple of things. Well, first of all, is I understand I have a number of teachers. I've been studying 26 years. And uh, you familiar with Dr. David M. Hotel, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So that's, that's my man right there. I've interviewed him uh, right. about 11 or 12 right. times. Yeah. So even though African people, even though we were here going back at least 51,700 years, that does not mean the transatlantic slave trade did not happen. You have to understand the chronology exactly. of history. The transatlantic slave trade happened as well. Now, right. now, I think a critical, when we talk about reparations, I think a critical portion of time to look at is from 18, January 1st, 1808, up until the Civil War, up until basically like 1860 especially, because we know the Clotilda was the last uh, slave ship to yeah. come in, and 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 the U.S. was violating their own laws because they outlawed the importation of African people January first, eighteen oh eight. Exactly. Talk about and that. What you find, and what you find is between eighteen oh eight, because of the outlawing, even though they were lying about, they were still importing Africans during that time. Yes. But you see a massive increase in the rate of black women between 1808 mm -hmm. and the Civil War because those so-called white enslavers would not, they couldn't get their children, if you please, in the, uh, the wounds of black women became commodified. Right. And so you start seeing a massive increase in that. Uh, and the slave breeding also, the slave breeding process. It, that, it increased dramatically yes. after 1808. Yes. Uh, it's good that... Uh, probably know that Zora Neale Hurston, they found this Boggs manuscript, and there's a book out right mm -hmm. now called about the last person yep. who was on the hotel. Cudjo so Lewis. Cudjo Lewis is his name. Yes. All of this stuff is very important. All of it's important. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, a people's history and culture teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future to meet the needs of the community. Um, let people know how they can get in contact with you. How they can uh, do you have uh, books? You have DVDs. How can people get in contact with you and, and get more information from you? Well, social media, you can just look up Ray Winbush on uh, Facebook. You can look up R. Winbush on uh, Twitter. Uh, 
Twitter. I got a bunch of followers, but you can look at that. And then I take my email, which is Raymond Win- Raymond Winbridge at Morgan that you here in Baltimore. Okay. And I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that's occurring in Baltimore as well, relative to you know the Freddie Gray murder as well, and all of this stuff. Right. So I'm easy to find. Just Google me, and you can find. Me. Okay, absolutely. All right, brother. Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, the AHN show on uh, Twitter, man. So I sent you a couple of messages. So follow me back on Twitter, the AHN show. I will. And I and I look forward to seeing you uh, Friday. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. All right, brother. Okay, take care. I look forward to seeing you Friday. Hold tight, brother. Have a good night. Okay. All right. So that's Dr. Ray uh, Winbush. Uh, come to the um, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History on. Um, uh, Friday, May 25th, Saturday, May 26th, African Liberation Day. And we'll get this information up at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's also at TheRight.org, W-R-I-G-H-T, TheRight.org, on, uh, th- which is their website. Okay, uh, we'll be back in a few minutes, the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future of Radio, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. We'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, guys, stand by. Share this broadcasting on Facebook page. We're going to go back and uh, continue our discussion dealing with the um, uh, had, uh, the uh, royal wedding. Black people watched the royal wedding but forgot about British enslavement and sla- but forgot about the British involvement in slavery and the exploitation of African people. Also, we'll talk about backlash from white people calling the police on African Americans for no reason. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the history of African-American jockeys and how they dominated horse racing and were pushed out of horse racing because of racism. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, the 93rd birthday of uh, Malcolm X as well, coming up on our last segment. Okay, we've got one caller. All right. Okay, so those watching on Facebook, share this broadcast on your Facebook page, invite your friends to tune in also. Okay, uh, let me try to share this broadcast from uh, 19 a.m. How's everybody doing? 25 seconds. Okay, we're coming back from break here in just a minute. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. And I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. 
visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? Uh, all of my DVD lectures are there. We have an eight DVD bundle pack, the Black Panther bundle pack. Um, includes two of my lectures dealing with the film Black Panther, three documentaries, including 1804, dealing with the uh, history of the Haitian Revolution, uh, and some of my other presentations as well. That's on sale right now, $80, regularly $130. That is... Um, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. That is the uh, Black Panther bundle pack, okay? All right. Uh, I want to go back to, uh, I'm going to go to this article, then we'll go to the phone lines in just a minute. So call us. Uh, well, okay, let's get Abdullah in because Abdullah's been holding for a while. Hey, Abdullah, uh, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us what city you're calling from. Uh, I'm calling from Thank you for picking my call. Go ahead, brother. And I like, and I love the way you started up the show. Not the making of the Negro, I've read the miseducation of the Negro, but Dr. Carter G. Yeah, Woodson. One, that's two, one minute. Miseducation, and again, it's a book. I got all the one that uh, the Lincoln, why they made us give us the name. Some of the Laganized all that. Anyway, okay. I, this is the main thing, see. They know what time it is, see. They're mm -hmm. on their way out to Caucasian. Mm -hmm. And they kind of make us think that he's hard. And some of them are, but I got. A sister in law, she went to see her, you think she was white. But her mother was working for these Caucasian people. And uh, he raised her, her mother and got two children by, by one of the boy, one of my sister in law. And uh, see, that don't mean a whole lot because they were legal kids. I won't marry get there, who was a white, a black woman. Right. They're doing that for a reason. Which I know you know, brother. Yeah, yeah, I talked about that some. Yes, sir, and I love the way you lay it out. And make, I got to tell Brother Malcolm, mm -hmm. make it plain. You make it plain. Absolutely, make it plain. That's what Malcolm yes, used to sir. say. Absolutely. And thanks again, and keep up the good work. Okay, brother. Nobody change your mind. Oh, no, 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 man. They need to come with facts and evidence, man. So, <laughs> All right. Thanks, Abdullah. Okay, so uh, check out this article here from thegrio.com, thegrio.com. Adding color to the royal family doesn't wipe out their debts to black people. Adding color to the royal family doesn't wipe out their debts to black people. For centuries, the British monarchs, the, for centuries, the British monarchs made untold wealth through slave trading and free labor. This is by David A. Love for thegrio.com, okay? Uh, so check out that article 
uh, is a very, very good article. He, he uh, summarizes some of the information that we talked about. Also on YouTube, check out the, um, the video that I just uploaded today. I did it yesterday, May 19th, and that's dealing, that's a, uh, about a two-hour presentation dealing with this history, dealing with the, uh, the, uh, uh, the British enslavement of African nations, things like this, but it, it's uh, the, uh, the um, uh, hashtag is uh, black people watched uh, the royal wedding but forgot about British enslavement is, uh, British involvement in slavery and the exploitation of African people. Check that out at um, on YouTube uh, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P uh, on YouTube, all right? Okay, now, uh, I want to go to, uh, let's go to the phone lines quickly. Let's go to Joe. Hey, Joe, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us what city you're calling from. Detroit. All right. Yes. Uh, you know, um, so far, I haven't uh, heard. Okay, I've been seventy-five, and uh, three months, and okay. I haven't heard that my name is Dr. Mitchell watching Dr. Mitchell. Sure. So I happened to see a documentary on uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln a mm-hmm. few months ago. Okay. And I found out that Abraham Lincoln had signed reparations for the slaves to give them forty acres and, and the mule, and he was killed, and the next president came and stopped it. Well, so the next president was Andrew Johnson. The next president was Andrew Johnson. Okay, now the forty, now the forty acres and the mule that you're talking about, was it? Okay, well, okay, hold on, okay, hold on, just a second, just a second. Was that General Order Number Fifteen? Was that for all the slaves, or was that it? Was that in certain areas? Because General Order Number Fifteen was in like Georgia and I think one other state. It was in, it was in. Um, it was not all of the South, and it did not apply to all of the slaves. So what specifically are you referring to? Oh, okay. I didn't know what the did, but I know he had signed the paper. I didn't hear, but they might have been going into all the details on about all the slaves. Okay. But he had signed. I heard that yeah, not- watching Dr. Mitchell, they said he had signed the paper. For the, for, you know, reparations, and then he got killed, and the next president came in and stopped it. Now, what he did do, he signed, he signed, what he did do was sign off on reparations for slave owners who owned slaves in Washington, D.C. He did do that. Mm-hmm. That was about 1862, okay. because slavery was abolished, so Civil War starts April 12, 1861. Uh, in about 1862, Washington, D.C. abolished slavery, and he signed off on reparations for the slave owners in Washington, D.C. He did do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, then. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Thanks All for right. calling. All right. Okay, so um, let me see. Now, a lot of people talk about um, Queen um, Sophie Charlotte, okay? It's Queen Sophia Charlotte, all right, uh, who was the wife of King George III. And, and when, you know, people were making this big hoopla about this biracial woman who does not identify with being black or African-American. And they said, oh, she's going to be the first person of African descent of British royalty or what have you. No, that's not true, right? Check out this. So there's been a number of articles written about this. AtlantaBlackStar.com uh, has one from D- October 14, 2015. Meet Sophia Charlotte, the first black queen of England. Okay, she was the wife of King George III. This is during the American Revolutionary War. This is who the uh, the colonialists are fighting against during the American Revolutionary War. All right, and then also uh, there's a big article from the Washington Post, November 27, 2017. Britain's Black Queen will Meghan Markle really be the first mixed race royal? Royal, 
And uh, yesterday, May 19th, was also the birth date of Queen Charlotte Sophia as well. Or Queen so Sophia Charlotte, I should say. Yesterday was her birthday also. Yesterday was also Malcolm X's birthday, right? So historian Mario uh, de Valdez uh, Cocom argues that Queen Charlotte was directly descended from a black branch of the Portuguese royal family, Alfonso III and his concubine, Oriwana, uh, uh, who was an African Moor, or a black Moor, M-O-O-R. When I talked about the Moors going into Europe, they intermixed with the European population also. In the 13th century, quote, Alfonso III of Portugal conquered a little town named Faro, F-A-R-O, from the Moors. He conquered this from the Moors because the Moors are conquering areas and their fights between the Europeans and the Moors to reclaim these territories. And then we know in Spain that start that that, that reconquest starts in 722 AD. It's called the Reconquista. And the Reconquista was completed January 2nd, 1492, when the Moors leader Boabdil relinquished the, the, the last stronghold in Spain, which was Grenada. Okay, the Spanish territory of Grenada. Okay, so um uh, Valdez um, uh, stated this, who, who's a researcher, stated this on the 1996 Frontline PBS documentary, Public Broadcasting System, PBS documentary called Secret Daughter. Uh, quote, he demanded the governor's daughter uh, as, as, a, as a paramour, uh, P-A-R-A-M-O-U-R. He had three children with her. Now, according to Valdez, one of their sons, Martin Alfonso, married into the noble de Souza family, S-O-U-S-A, the de Souza family, who also had black ancestry. Queen Charlotte, or Queen Sophia Charlotte, Charlotte had African blood from both families. Now, uh, Valdez, who grew up in Belize, began researching Queen Charlotte's African ancestry in 1967 after he moved to Boston. He said, quote, I had heard these stories from my Jamaican nanny, okay, uh, he recalled, he discovered that a royal physician named Baron Christian Friedrich uh, Stockmar described Queen Charlotte as, quote, small and crooked with a true mulatto face. Sir Walter Scott wrote that she was, quote, ill-colored, ill-quote, end quote, ill-colored, I-L-L, and called her family, quote, a bunch of ill-colored uh, orangutans. End quote. Now, one prime minister once wrote of Queen Charlotte, her nose is too wide and her lips too thick. Her nose too wide and her lips too thick. In several British colony, colonies, Queen Charlotte was often honored by blacks who were convinced from her portraits and likeness on coins that she had African ancestry. Okay, now, uh, Mario uh, de Valdez uh, goes on to, uh, about, uh, he, he became fascinated by official portraits of Queen Charlotte in which her features, he said, were visibly, quote-unquote, Negroid. He said, quote, I started a systematic genealogical search, a systematic genealogical search, okay? Uh, and he said, and he said uh, which is how he traced her ancestry back to the mixed-race branch of the Portuguese royal family. Now, Queen Charlotte, who was born May 19, 1744, was the youngest daughter of Duke Carl Ludwig Friedrich of Mecklenburg-Strelitz and Princess Elizabeth Albertine 
she was seven. She was a 17-year-old German princess when she traveled to England to wed King George III, who later went to war with his American colonies. This is the American Revolutionary War that we learned about in school, and lost rather badly. His mother most likely chose uh, Charlotte to be his bride. Okay. So what a lot of people don't know is that uh, when you have cities like oh Charlottesville, Virginia, where uh, August 12th they had this white supremacist rally called Unite the Right, and they were you had 12 white supremacist organizations that were trying to save a statue of General Robert E. Lee, who was a Confederate general who took up arms and Virginia succeeded from the Union to protect slavery, and this is in Charlottesville, Virginia, they don't know that Charlottesville was named after an African woman. Okay, when you read the article by um, David A. Love, adding color to the royal family doesn't wipe out their debts to black people for the griot.com, read this article, G-R-I-O, okay? He talks, about, he talks about this in here. And you've heard me talk about this before because I deal with Queen Charlotte Sophia in my presentation, my lecture, Great African Women in History, The Mothers of Civilization, okay? Um, so a lot of people don't know when you have uh, Charlottesville and um, uh, so he talks about this here. He says, for one, for one, despite the media craze surrounding Meghan Markle, a biracial African-American actor, uh, uh, would not be the first royal of African descent. There was, first of all, you had uh, Philippa of Hainault, H-A-I-N-A-U-L-T, who lived from 1314 to 1369. She was the queen consort of Edward III. And then you have Queen Charlotte, who lived from 1744 to 1818, who was descended from the black branch of the Portuguese royal family, and whose namesakes are the cities of Charlotte, North Carolina, and Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay? Now, Harry, Prince Harry's grandmother, who, married, who uh, Meghan Markle married yesterday, okay, Prince Harry, his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth II, is the great-great-great-granddaughter of Queen uh, Sophia Charlotte. Okay, so Queen Elizabeth II, who you saw there yesterday, right? She's the great-great-great-granddaughter of Queen Sophia Charlotte, who was the first black or African queen of England. You got to study the history of the Moors. See, because the history of the Moors, especially in Europe, that 800-year occupation, that's the missing link to understand what precipitated the transatlantic slave trade. So this is why when I teach about the transatlantic slave trade, I deal with it chronologically, not episodically. And this is why I deal with like the last 50,000 years of history, not just the last 500 years of history, okay? Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and uh, you can uh, register for the uh, online course that I teach. It's all on demand, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay, you can watch from around the world. As soon as you register, you can start watching. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay, so uh, this past week was also a crazy week. We saw, uh, we, we continued to see stories of uh, white people calling uh, police on African Americans. We saw uh, some bigoted uh, uh, videos go viral. They talked about it uh, this morning on AM Joy. Are racist incidents on the rise in, in the Donald Trump era? Are racist incidents on the rise in the Donald Trump era? Okay. Uh, uh, Joanne Reed uh, and her panel discussed a white woman who called the police on African-Americans barbecuing. 
Okay, this was in uh, California. And the white man who berated, he's an attorney in the New York area, he berated people for speaking Spanish in New York City and more viral race-motivated encounters in recent days. Okay, let's go to this clip. Okay, just a second, we'll get this clip going. Here we go. Okay, let's go to this clip here. Okay, and it's turned up in here. So you can hear on Facebook. That racist rant by New York attorney Aaron Schlossberg is just the latest viral video putting a spotlight on bigotry in America. Schlossberg allegedly has a history of making inflammatory comments, and while he talks tough to restaurant workers, he apparently can't handle a few questions from the press. Why are you running, man? You don't want to stand by what you said? Hey, at what age did you decide you wanted to be a racist like this? Since his tirade, Schlossberg has lost his office lease, and his law firm has been slammed with one-star reviews on Yelp. But the best response may have come from the hundreds of protesters who showed up outside his apartment with a mariachi band. <laughs> I love New York. Back with me, Tiffany Cross, Kurt Fardella, and Michelle Bernard. Hashtag I love New York. Nobody trolls you like New York. New York is awesome. Okay, so it is. You know, it's interesting. You know, Tiffany, that the thing in that in the original Schlossberg um, video that does feel like a tick among people. And this guy's a you know he gave five hundred dollars to the Trump campaign check. You know, he is a you know presumably sort of a conservative Trump supporter, or whatever. We don't know for sure what what he is, but that's what he seems to be just based on his donation. This tick of saying, I pay for your welfare. A, assuming somebody who is brown or speaking Spanish is on welfare. And B, that this thing of, my, of you are taking my money, you are reaching in my pocket, that is a trope that you saw in the data and in the anecdotal evidence of people's propensity to support, you know, Donald Trump or support you know, Republicans, right-wing Republicans in general. Completely. And, and this is how dog whistle politics trickles down um, to ma Main Street uh, people who take it upon themselves that they're going to be police the, the language that people are speaking in, in these uh, restaurants. I mean, look, I, I don't want viewers to think that it has to be a viral video for it to be something racist. Uh, these type of microaggressions people of color experience all the time. And so this Adam Schlossenberg character, he's the same person who's in the cubicle next to you, in the office next to you, the boss deciding your promotion, the doctor treating you, etc. So I don't want people to think that racism is just, you know, somebody donning a, a Klan's outfit. It's not. And these types of uh, uh, experiences that we see is really just a yet another example of this entitlement. Who empowered you to go into this restaurant and tell people what language they can speak? And why are you proud of only speaking one language? That's a very American thing. Oh, no, no, wait. He's, he's also he's proud on his website for his law firm that if you call to use his services, that you can get services in Spanish and French. He actually prides himself on being so a he'll take your money. <laughs> yes. He'll take your money, but he doesn't want you serving him his food if you're speaking Spanish. This is just ridiculous. It's insulting. And these are, it's not surprising. Again, none of this stuff is surprising. We saw this behavior at Trump rallies. And for people of color, We've 
experienced this behavior our entire lives. This is what it's like to go through life with black and brown skin. People take this empowerment over you, and so they can talk to you any kind of way, and the system is designed uh, for centuries where these people are in power. Black people have been slaves longer than we've been free, and we're still dealing with uh, a system that's designed for us to fail. And this is evidence, you know, black and brown people experiencing this kind of behavior, disgusting behavior, routinely. And, you know, Kurt, you know, I, I do want to unpack it because you do have embedded in that, you know, the offensive part of it being that he does think he has the right to tell people what language to speak in a country that has no national language. Let's start with there is no national language in the United States. You can speak whatever language you want. It's called freedom. Um, but the uh, but th this tick of saying all of you are on welfare and it's my money you're siphoning out. That's something that I, I have to say, I, you, I've heard that for years. You have heard people, even if they're thinking they're saying it in a benign way, making this assumption about people who, of color that they are A, criminal or B, uh, on welfare. Um, and it's all, that is also feeding into this idea of constantly calling 911 on people. That you're a black person. Oh, you shouldn't be in this space. You don't seem appropriate to me. So I'm going to take it upon myself to remove you using the police. That is also happening a lot. When you were over in Breitbart World, was that a common thing? Is it being fed more to people? Or is did you find that that was a common belief? Well, I think that you see it. One, one way we see this play out is in our political leadership, when there's cast this idea that there are givers and takers in our system, and that you know the, we've seen going back to Reagan the idea that anyone that's receiving government support in any way is, is a taker, and, and of course they permeate this ridiculous notion that that's coming out at the expense of, of white Americans and middle America, and that you, you know immigrants and people of color and minorities are taking something from you that you can't get back. They feed into this fear, and where the Breitbart's and the Fox News is the role come into play is they just add fuel to that fire. They put up the headlines and any time, there's a reason why any time that there is any type of criminal activity involving an illegal immigrant or a person of color, that that is the leading homepage plastered all over in big font story because they're trying to re retell that narrative over and over again using very small isolated examples to manipulate their audience. And, and Michelle, there's a, you know, this is, it's both a, an irritant to live with if you're a person of color, but it also can be deadly because what people are doing is they're taking those sort of ingrained beliefs about people of color and then empowering themselves to remove people using the police. And that can go one of two ways. The police officer can be very professional and realize that it's just BS, or the, con it, the confrontation can go the way we've seen it go over and over and over again, Philando Castile and others being the evidence of that. Um, and these can be benign traffic stops and someone ends up dead. It literally is threatening your life to call the police on you in a lot of ways. So here's a woman who decided in Oakland, California, um, that black men using a charcoal grill in the park where the grills are there for you to grill, shouldn't be there, and she decided to remove them using the police. Take a look. Uh, it's illegal to have a charcoal grill in the park here. No, it's not actually. I just yeah, looked at the it map. Is. It says this is a designated barbecue area. No, if you, it, not for a charcoal grill. No charcoal grills are allowed. I was out here by myself, and she was, came up here. I'm like, look, man, I'm minding my own business. That's like I've been here 42 something years. I know where I can and cannot barbecue. Look at how Nobody asked you to be here. Nobody asked you to be here. You're the one harassing people. 
Okay, that has now spawned a lot of memes. Um, woman on the phone complaining about Obama. That's right, I said he's in a tan suit. Woman with a cast of good times. I heard one of them talking about dynamite. Woman uh, calling the cops on Soul Train. There are a lot of black people here. They seem to be moving swiftly dancing. A woman call on the royal wedding. Uh, excuse me, there's a black lady here attempting to uh, cost a, uh, a ginger prince. All right, so you, you, people make light of it, but it, 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 it almost is like an epidemic. It, it, it's not like an epidemic. It is absolutely an epidemic. I mean, imagine being, um, I, I, would, I would ask the, your white viewers to imagine being black or brown and living in a world where you are at the same time over-policed and under-policed. The police are called on you because you're barbecuing. The, and, and then people lie and say that you are pushing them and following them. And by evidence, by the videotape, she was never in any physical danger whatsoever. No one pushed her. No one was following her. They were doing what many white people do every day of the week, and no one calls the police on them. From barbecuing to everything else that we have seen across the country, people, black people and brown people are being over-policed for petty offenses, and then when we see actual violent crime or actual major crimes that take place in brown and black communities where the police need to show up, we don't see any evidence of the police. It is absolutely dangerous, and, and the uptick in violence and these microaggressions that we have seen against people of color since uh, President Trump was elected uh, to the highest office of the land has opened up a groundswell of overt acts of racism. And you see the polling there, um, people believe, 49% believe that racism has gotten worse since Trump came in, 37 believe it's about the same, only 12% say race relations have gotten better. Uh, whether or not people believe Trump is himself a racist, uh, there's an NRC poll for that as well. 57% say they believe he is. We have seen, Tiffany, people removed for sleeping uh, in the common room at Yale. There, a Yale student who's not allowed to sleep there. We've seen a man accosted for having his own baby in a stroller. And he people call, call the police on him. We had a, a real estate investor inspecting a home. Uh, uh, had the police called on him in Tennessee. We've had in Manhattan someone moving into their own apartment. An Obama alumni moving into his own apartment. At a certain point, mm -hmm. someone's going to call the police on Barack Obama. Right. Say, exactly. I see a black man walking into Columbia University. Oh, right. he's about to teach a course there because he used to be president of the United States. Exactly. Right. Right. Can happen. I add, like, oh, okay. that's okay. a student at Yale had to actually pull out her... Okay. All right. So check out uh, that clip there. That's from uh, MSNBC, AM Joy. Joanne Reed. That's from uh, this morning, May 20th, 2018. It's called Our Racist Incidents on the Rise in Trump Era. Our Racist Incidents on the rise in Trump era. Go to msnbc.com. Just search for that title. You can find that or pull up uh, AM Joy. Okay, and check that out as well. All right, so we know this past uh, Thursday, May 17th, was the anniversary of the first Kentucky Derby being ran. I did a, about a two-hour broadcast. Check that out on YouTube, Michael M. Hotel on YouTube, dealing with the history of African-American jockeys and uh, them being pushed out of uh, uh, horse racing by uh, racism. And it's also on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. Uh, click on videos, all right? Uh, the little-known black history fact at blackamericaweb.com uh, from uh, May 17th talked about Oliver Lewis, who was the first winner of the Kentucky Derby. Just happened to be an African-American man. Imagine that. The Kentucky Derby, the first of the triple crown of thoroughbred horse racing, began on this day in 1875. The odds were good that a black jockey would win the prestigious contest, with Oliver Lewis becoming the first to do so. Now, 13 of the 15 jockeys in the first Kentucky Derby in 1875, 10 years after slavery ended, were African-American. 
Oliver Lewis, 19 years old, was a Kentucky native who climbed atop Aristides, uh, a horse trained by a black man and a former slave, Ansel Williamson. So Ansel Williamson was the trainer of this horse also, who happened to be a former slave. Among the field of riders at the, at the Louisville Jockey Club, 13 of the 15 riders were African-American, which was not uncommon at the tail end of the 19th century and considering the sports popularity across the Deep South. Okay, uh, so check uh, check out this article, blackamericaweb.com. Check out my broadcast as well also. Yesterday at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, uh, the guest speaker was uh, A. Peter Bailey. A. Peter, a. Peter Bailey. Now, he was a friend of Malcolm X. He wrote for Malcolm X's newspaper as well. He did a comparative analysis of uh, Malcolm X and Dr. King. Here is an excerpt of uh, his presentation from uh, yesterday. Let's go to this clip. But I truly believe they could have developed a serious working relationship. And obviously, by the time we get through, we'll see that Jacob Hoover thought the same thing. These were the two people he feared more than anyone else. I had another quote on unity from Brother Malcolm. He said, There could be no black white unity until there's first some black unity. There could be no workers' solidarity until there's first some racial solidarity. We cannot think of uniting with others until we have first united among ourselves. We cannot think of being acceptable to others until we have first proven acceptable to ourselves. We can't unite bananas with scattered leaves. That's Brother Malcolm again on the question of unity. But there's not that much difference between what Dr. King said and what Brother Malcolm said about unity. That's why I think there could be some conversation. About economics, Dr. King said, Black power is also a call for the pooling of black financial resources to achieve economic security. While the ultimate answer to the Negro's economic dilemma will be found in a massive federal program for all poor along the lines of A. Philip Randolph's freedom budget, a kind of Marshall plan for the disadvantaged. That is something that the Negro himself can do to draw the shackles of poverty. Although the Negro is still at the bottom of the economic ladder, his collective annual income is up to $30 billion. This gives him a considerable buying power that can make the difference between profit and loss in many businesses. Through the pooling of such resources and the development of habits of thrift and techniques of wise investment, the Negro will be doing his share to grapple with his problems of economic uh, deprivation. If black power means the development of this kind of strength within the Negro community, it is a quest for basic, necessary, legitimate power. That's Dr. King, y'all. That's Dr. Yeah. King. Absolutely. You know, my Luther, I have a dream. That's what you all you all hear. That's all you hear about him. Now, Brother Malcolm on economics. The economic philosophy of black nationalism means that every church and every civic organization and every fraternal order is tied down for our people to become conscious of the importance of controlling the economy of our communities. If we own the stores, if we operate the businesses, if we try and establish some industry in our, in our communities, then we are developing to the position where we are creating employment for our own kind. Once you gain control of the economy of your own community, then you don't have to beg and pick it and beg some other, some other people downtown for a job in his business. Again, you see those two positions? That's a negotiating space in there where you can sit down and talk and maybe work out a mutual thing about the area of economics. Education. Education. 
king on education, on Brother Malcolm on education. Education is an important element in the, in the struggle for human rights. It is, the, it, it, it is the means to help our children and our people discover their identity and thereby increase their self-respect. Education is our passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to the people who, people who prepare for today. We must unite our efforts and spread our own program for self-improvement through education to every, every Afro-American community in America. We must establish all over the country schools of our own to train our children, become scientists and mathematicians. We intend to take the tools of education to help raise our people to an unprecedented level of excellence and self-respect through their own efforts. Okay, all right, so that was uh, A. Peter Bailey, who uh, wrote a memoir about his times with Malcolm. He wrote for the organization, the Afro-American Unity newspaper. He was there in the Audubon Ballroom, February 21st, 1965, when Malcolm was assassinated. All right, so we'll share some more of that with you next week. We'll get this up on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep. I'm the one that recorded this. Uh, so I was here yesterday at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. We'll see you all this fri uh, uh, Friday, May 25th, Saturday, May 26th at the Charles H. Wright Museum for uh, the two-day uh, celebration, African Liberation Day, honoring our warriors and our trailblazers. Visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com for more information, I'll be speaking on Saturday, May 26, 3.30 p.m. at the Charles H. Wright Museum. Uh, remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating and pine and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct for wrong behavior. Stay tuned for Pastor Mo. Visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio. Uh, remember, right now it's correct for wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. All right, guys. All right. Okay, guys, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. Um, uh, follow us on Facebook. Hey, uh, follow us on Facebook, the African History Network. If you like this type of information, register for the online courses that I teach. They're all on demand. You can start watching as soon as you register. We have a bundle pack of 10-hour online courses. It's going to keep you doing research for the next year. And that includes... Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? Um, these are all on demand, and uh, you can watch from around the world. It's on sale $60 regularly, uh, $130, okay? And then also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. You can also donate to the African History Network uh, through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, okay? And uh, we'll post this link here on the thread of the broadcast also. All right, talk to y'all later. Peace. And I'll be, uh, some of y'all know, I'll be in Newark, New Jersey this week, Tuesday through Thursday, okay? Uh, if you want me to do a presentation while I'm in Newark, New Jersey, or the New York area, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or uh, contact me through the website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Talk to y'all later.